Thank you all for tuning in to the Your Edge podcast. I'm Therese Van Ryan, Global Director of Public Relations at Zebra Technologies, and I'm excited to welcome back our Chief Technology Officer, Tom Bianculi. We were excited and honored to learn Zebra was recently named a 2021 Google Cloud Customer of the Year, stemming from our utilization of Google Cloud solutions to transform and sustain our operations. We appreciate you being with us today, Tom, and would appreciate you telling us more about the efforts of those across Zebra that helped us receive this important recognition from Google. Yeah. Hey, thanks very much, Therese. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, our partnership with Google uh, goes back over the last about two and a half years um, when we really started on our our cloud journey and and engaged them as um, not just a vendor to provide cloud-based services for Zebra, but really a transformation partner and uh, engaged really closely with them, brought some of their team in to, to help train our team. And it's really been amazing to watch the transformation uh, at Zebra. Um, and, you know, across all of our uh, teams, not just our product development teams, but our hardware engineering teams, our, our software as a service teams uh, through acquisition, as well as organic, and uh, in partnership with the IT team as well, who have really uh, transformed in taking their mission out into the, the product space and into the software as a service space uh, together with Zebra. So uh, a big uh, shout out to Deepak and uh, our, our CIO and his team and Alan Epstein, uh, who, who runs our engineering team and our software and services, uh, software and solutions organization, as well as Jeff Hand, um, who originally started with our visibility IQ team and services and then came over to our software organization and helped drive some of our cloud IoT early initiatives and is now uh, working our cloud operations within our software and solutions team. So um, been a great transformation over the last couple of years in partnership with Google. And um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of reflect what uh, Google has shared with us, which is which is that um, you know they absolutely value uh, as any partner and uh, vendor would our uh, business with them. But um, even more compelling, and I think what led to the award are the people at Zebra, the innovative spirit, the passion, the engagement from all the people at Zebra. And secondly, our vision, uh, really leaning into the edge um, that, uh, you know, Zebra's em- embraced, uh, inviting our customers and frontline workers to capture their edge using our solutions and using the Internet of Things and our Sense Analyze Act framework to go and do that is something that uh, Google has really valued strategically. And um, I'm humbled uh, every time Google says to us, and they do pretty frequently, that um, we really are uh, leading the way in deploying these edge-connected solutions that help our customers run their operations better. So it's uh, really hats off to everybody across Zebra, and um, you know I'm fortunate and humbled to have the opportunity to represent the message. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Tom, can you talk about Zebra's current cloud strategy and the tools being used today across our organization by our frontline engineering strategy and even corporate teams? Yeah, sure. Let me start off by, you know, kind of breaking down um, our current use of, of cloud kind of into four categories. So one, uh, which is, is not a surprise, is, uh, you know, through through acquisition, uh, we've acquired a number of software as a services businesses over the last couple of years. Um, Profitech in, in 2019, uh, Reflexus, Antuit, um, and of course, uh, when we look at Fetch Robotics, although they're not native software as a service, they're robots as a service, and they do use a uh, cloud platform to be able to connect that robotic platform at the edge, control, monitor, um, and, and be able to optimize it for our customers. So th- that's sort of one category. Think of it as um, 
you know, robot or software as a service offerings that connect back to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Second is being able to use all the data that we're able to collect from our devices, our printers, uh, be able to bring that data back in an aggregated way. Uh, that, that would be inclusive of RFID as well, where we've deployed, you know, native RFID um, uh, cloud connectivity. So we can deploy an RFID reader and plug that into uh, power over Ethernet, connect that back to the network and be able to send that data right back to the cloud. So we can aggregate the read data uh, across many sites uh, into one cloud instance and, and turn that all that visibility into operational outcomes for our customers. So the, the second is is kind of the classic IoT or industry 4.0. This is being able to connect our products, creating a connected you know product portfolio, connect data, RFID, and, and use that information to help our partners and our customers run their operations better. So those two are both, I would say, externally facing trees. Mm-hmm. The other two are you know more internally facing. So our IT teams um, going through cloud transformation for our own benefit. Uh, when you look inside Zebra and all of the capabilities and tools we have, we've all become more productive, more collaborative, more capable uh, because of that cloud transformation from an IT point of view. And the last one, the fourth category, is the way we do our own development. Um, so as an example, our mobile, com- mobile computing team has leveraged uh, Google Cloud to run their software builds. So when we uh, write new software or we make modifications to software that go into packages that run on our mobile computers, those need to be what's called compiled or, or built. So the, this is processing that needs to happen to the software in order for it to be um, turned into a, a, um, a deliverable that can be loaded onto our devices. And that can become fairly intensive in terms of compute. It can actually slow down the um, uh, the development velocity of a, of a software team. And so we've moved those workloads, as they're called, up into the cloud. And now um, we're processing that much quicker and much more consistently and doing it in a much more aligned fashion across the organization. So, you know, both uh, internal and external benefits and uh, kind of breaking down to the two and two. So four categories total, two external facing to our customers and two that we use um, internally. That's great. Thanks for explaining that, Tom. Do you anticipate our cloud strategy changing in the next year or two? And if so, why? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I would say that um, it's been evolving uh, probably quarterly. So I don't expect that, you know, rate of uh, change uh, to, to stop. And in fact, I've noticed people becoming uh, internally right more comfortable with that change and realizing that with that change comes growth. I mean, we've saw amazing growth. Uh, in, in, you know, certainly in the first half of this year, um, as reported and, uh, and also grow through acquisition. So I do see us, um, you know, continuing to evolve that. I think in particular, as we embrace the Antwit acquisition and we bring more of this native machine learning AI operations, um, which is what a lot of their award winning capabilities are built upon. That's going to change as well because it's going to bring more of that capability across more of our products and not just within to the Antuit solution. And the other one, uh, obviously, Fetch Robotics, um, as we look at um, leveraging the data that uh, those robots provide, that will create another opportunity for us from an offering and a cloud perspective. So Melanie Wise, uh, who's the former CEO of Fetch Robotics and is a well-known roboticist in the industry, uh, has got a great vision. Um, uh, I think we've uh, we've had the opportunity to speak about that. She has certainly publicly, and it really comes down to not just uh, having the robot be able to service the workflow, but be able to use all of the data the robot can collect as it's traversing an environment 
to help make that workflow better, the people that operate inside those environments more safe and, and efficient, um, and, and bring other benefits uh, back to the customer. So we're going to see that cloud strategy continue to evolve in an AI ML way, um, out into more data collection through uh, robotics. And uh, hey, Teresa, I'm pretty sure we're not done on the acquisition front. So uh won't surprise me if we, if we see some uh, more evolution as a function of that. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one other thing, which is uh, with the launch of our fixed industrial scanners and our machine vision offering earlier this year, mm-hmm. uh, I think we could fully expect that the um, 2.0 version of, of that first release is going to include smart cameras that connect back to the cloud that can collect data in the environment they're in. So think about maybe looking at a PC board or a manufacturing assembly uh, and being able to train the camera on what anomalies look like, just like you might train a human to be able to pick out um, defects if they were observing a, a subassembly and do that training, if you will, in the cloud. Um, that's that's called the machine learning neural network training in the cloud. And then be able to deploy the learned model, if you will, down to the smart camera. So think about these cameras that are sort of deployed in a vanilla fashion. They can learn in situ. So looking at an assembly line or looking at a uh, a conveyor belt um, situation where they're 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 processing packaging and, and looking for defects, uh, be able to learn by sending that data up into the cloud, and then redeploy the intelligence down to what was the you know initial vanilla camera to become a special purpose intelligent endpoint for being able to detect detect defects. So computer vision applications, machine learning, AI, uh, robot data collection. Um, yeah, I guess you could say we will definitely continue to see evolution of our cloud strategy as we go forward. But uh, lots of excitement. And um, the most exciting thing to me is the engagement across all of Zebra in, uh, in embracing these capabilities and these technologies to transform their respective areas. I mean, whether it's finance, it's IT, it's printing, it's mobile computing, it's scanning. Um, everybody is, is looking at how to use this connectivity to transform the offerings they they, they provide to our customers. Absolutely. And I'd love to explore just for a moment or two, you mentioned acquisitions and you mentioned Melanie Wise. For those that may not be familiar, Zebra acquired Fetch Robotics earlier this year. And so now Melanie's a very valuable member of your team, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Melanie's just such a, um, a well-known thought leader in the space. Um, so she's bringing a lot of um, architectural thinking to the table as we we look at um, weaving, you know, the, the fetch capability into the other offerings we have around the company and, and bringing that that data to bear, as I, as I mentioned earlier, um, looking at intellectual property strategies, another area that she's you know very involved in and in terms of uh, where do we lay down foundational IP that 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 uh, Zebra is so well known for. Um, in the industry. So that's, that's something that uh, she's very actively engaged in. And then of course, um, you know, driving, uh, a lot of the industry standards, safety standards and robotic standards, um, that she's, she's done prior to joining Zebra and is going to continue to do, um, to be that face of innovation for autonomous mobile robots, uh, in the industry with, with Zebra behind her. So yeah, we're really excited to have Melanie and the entire Fetch Robotics team is, as part of Zebra. It kind of levels up. Uh, all of our thinking and capability across the org. Absolutely. Tom, we've been talking about the migration of legacy systems and services to the cloud for a few years now, but I found it interesting that Gartner is seeing a shift toward more cloud-native platforms as we head into 2022. 
Do you agree this will be one of the top strategic technology trends next year based on what you've heard from other CTOs, CIOs, and Google leaders when you participated in the recent Google Leaders Circle Roundtable discussion? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I think it it um it it breaks down to really two parts. Um one is um think about the software offerings that are um that are deployed that are really 100% driven by software. So let me an example of that would be our own Reflexus offering. So this is workforce management, labor planning, tasking capability where the entire solution is um is really delivered uh, via the software that represents the, the totality of the Reflexus offering. And in situations like that, as you're pointing out and that, that Gartner has highlighted as well, uh, cloud native is really what we're seeing. And synonymous with cloud native, um, it's not just that it's deployed in the cloud, which is almost a technology way of describing what's happening. If you talk to the CIOs and the COOs of why cloud native, you'll hear terms like versionless. Um, or, or, um, the ability to provide, um, or constantly have updates without having to do a big forklift upgrade IT project that may last, you know, many quarters or a year or more, uh, in order to get completed. So this idea of continuous improvement, I think is the biggest driver behind cloud native. And we're applying it to Reflexus, to our own Zebra prescriptive analytics offering, uh, and to it uh, as well has been doing that for some time. So those are all software offerings that are, are really 100% software. They're not relying on any kind of hardware uh, to deliver their value. And so the idea of versionless is you acquire that as a service and it just gets better over time. It, it, you know, as we determine uh, improvements we can make, we can deploy that um, th- those improvements. And because it's hosted in the cloud, it immediately becomes in- available to the install base. And if you contrast that with an on-premise deployment, um, you know, once it's, it's almost the opposite uh, way of thinking is once it's deployed, nobody wants to touch it because they don't want to break anything. It's working and they just want to keep it running the way it is, which is kind of the opposite, opposite of versionless, right? It, it sort of starts aging the day it gets deployed. Right. So the advantage of cloud native is, um, it never really starts aging. Day one is always day one and it gets better over time, uh, because the, the vendor in this case with Reflexus and Antuit ourselves, um, are providing those consistent upgrades over time in a cloud native way. So that's that category. The second one, the second category is where that uh, software has a dependency on maybe sensing, um, which could be things like a, a robot that's navigating an environment that's collecting data. It could be an RFID reader that's deployed that's you know capturing that data and um, uh, and, and using the cloud to be able to process and represent that data. It could be one of our location solutions. Those solutions, I think we're going to see a little bit of a different approach. It's not that they're not going to go to the cloud, but we're, we're going to see a lot of hybrid edge processing as well as cloud processing because there's a lot of real-time information and a lot of real-time processing that needs to happen you know, down at the edge where those sensors, the location sensors or the RFID sensors are collecting the information there at the edge, and there's some processing that needs to be done before it gets deployed uh, up to the cloud. And in that case, you know, um, we see a lot of customers kind of shifting the line. Some saying, you know what, I'd rather not put any in the cloud. I'll just put it all on-prem. And others, hey, could you compress the edge as much as you can? Maybe just put the sensing infrastructure in at the edge with light processing and filtering, and I want to deploy the rest up in the cloud. So I think that's going to be a mixed model for quite some time. But certainly that first category where the, the value is 100% driven by the, the software solution 
cloud native is where we see everybody going, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. How does this align with the current design and use of the Zebra Savannah cloud data platform or the strategy for Zebra data services APIs? Yeah, great question. So, you know, the, the Zebra uh, Savannah cloud platform, um, the notion there is to be able to connect the, the portfolio and the data across that portfolio and be able to make that data available to ourselves for solutions as, as well as to partners. And so what we've really done is sharpened our focus uh, over the last year into really three key categories. So one um, is Visibility IQ, which is our services offering that provides operational insights into our portfolio by connecting our, our printers, our mobile computers, our RFID um, uh, readers as well. And um, we're, we're seeing great traction in Visibility IQ as a, as a product, but also the API version of Visibility IQ where we have larger customers or partners that want to integrate at the data layer uh, that we're able to connect or collect from, from all of those products. So that's Visibility IQ. That's one. The second is RFID. I've mentioned a few times. So this is the idea of drop an RFID reader in a location connect that to the network and be able to do all the processing out in the cloud. And that fundamentally changes the economics of being able to deploy RFID into a lot of supply chain applications. And so we're seeing a lot of traction there in Europe, you know, both in Europe, in the U.S., um, in quick serve restaurant categories, um, you know, out into supply chain applications as well. So um, that's, you know, that that's, that's the second area. And, um, you know, the, the third one is is really around what we're we're doing with our supplies business and our small office home office printing solutions, where we want to be able to connect that printing or that supply uh, information back to the cloud to either provide a better experience in the case of like a Soho uh, offering that we have with our our uh, small office home office printers, um, or uh, to be able to provide intelligence that we're able to gather from smart supplies like environmental temperature data to reduce perishability or ensure the you know efficacy of of say pharmaceuticals as they move through the supply chain. So those three key areas, visibility IQ, RFID, um, and then think connected printing and connected supplies um, are the are the three areas that we're really focused on from a Savannah data lake perspective and an API um, offering to our partners and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Tom, many of the customers are in critical sectors, supply chain, healthcare, public safety and retail. And we're seeing them turn to technology at accelerated rates as they aim to empower millions of frontline workers and augment skill sets. How does their cloud strategy and utilization compare to organizations with large knowledge worker base that could still be working from home? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, uh, I think one of the, the um, distinctions we're seeing is collaboration versus remote you know, operation or remote um, execution. So when, when you think about um, uh, knowledge workers uh, being able to collaborate, and we've all seen this through the, the various types of collaboration tools, um, and um, not just collaborate for the purposes of, you know, meetings and sharing of ideas, um, but when, when you look at software development tools and collaboration that have advanced over time, in a lot of ways, a lot of our knowledge workers, our developers, our business analysts, our finance teams have really transformed over time in, into a, a way that lends itself to be able to operate remotely, which is one of the reasons why I think we saw, you know, if I, if I could use the word, there was nothing really too smooth about the, the transition to remote work as abrupt as it was in 2020. But um, I don't think anybody would have predicted um, 
you know, how well that that would have uh, been able to occur and how effective our knowledge worker teams would be. So, you know, the communication, the collaboration and the, the, the tools in, in the background that help share information, share requirements um, and, and allow each of our um, individual contributors to be able to get their job done, but with the context and the knowledge of their peers. And so a, a lot of that's been in, in play for some time. And I think uh, certainly the, the pandemic accelerated it, but did show, you know, how, how effective and efficient people can be. Um, you know, when when you look at um, the frontline workers, um, you know, and, and we're no exception to this, you know, having to get people into manufacturing environments and service depots is absolutely required. So using technology to ensure safety, uh, like our emotional works proximity solution that we use to them inside of our own facilities, that can highlight when workers are within too close a proximity to each other. It can do contact tracing in a digital way. So kind of creating a digital version of the workflow or digitizing workflows, as we like to say, uh, to be able to ensure that we, we could apply maximum safety. And there are companies out there, uh, Teresa, actually, I was just visiting a customer where, um, in, in, in uh, jobs like fork truck uh, operating, and, and I was actually kind of inspired by this, but fork truck operators where the fork truck is autonomous between locations where it's either picking up or putting down a pallet. So it actually navigates itself to the place where the pallet gets picked up. But there's still a lot of skill required to pick a pallet up based on the, the weight of that pallet, distribution of the weight and so on. And so a human operator needs to be able to do that. And so these fork trucks actually had um, – uh, workers that were in remote locations, in some cases in their own homes, um, and a, a, a the fork truck navigates to the pallet, and then the worker takes over remotely from another location uh, that fork truck uh, in order to to pick up that pallet and, and have it be prepared for movement. And one of the reasons why I was inspired by this is not just because it you know helped to address the labor challenges and shortage. But it improves safety. If you think about it, you're not in the fork truck. That's the, you know another opportunity to avoid injury. Um, and furthermore, um, to those that have certain handicaps, uh, like for instance, they may be in a wheelchair and not able to use their legs, that um, wouldn't be able to um, uh, perform a job in a fork truck are now able to do that because the the fork truck has other controls that can be operated um, with uh, you know with with their arms and hands. Uh, that allows them to to do that job in a remote fashion. And so it's kind of really interesting how all of this technology around remote communication and collaboration is um, helping the knowledge workers, which everyone's pretty aware of, but even helping these frontline workers and opening up new job opportunities and new ways of driving efficiency and safety into a lot of these dock operations. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Tom, I would imagine like any other type of technology or system implementation, there have been some notable successes and learnings in migrating Zebra operations to the cloud. Can you share those takeaways with our listeners? Yeah, I, I think the, um, you know, the, the biggest learning in, in a nutshell has really just been kind of, you know, I'll use the, the, use the expression of falling forward, um, which is, you know, not overanalyzing. I think we, you know, we probably did that in our own cloud journey a little bit in, in the beginning of saying, hey, do we, you know, do we want to do this or should we do that? And how quickly can we do it? And I would say, you know, the, the, if you ask most people, the regret, the only regret we would have is, hey, should we have done something sooner or faster? And so we've kind of learned off that and said the, um, you know, the best answer is not the perfect answer, but it's the, the best answer you have at the time that moves you forward. And really adopting that velocity, that agility um, is, has been a really big learning and embracing, you know, what happens as a result of that, because, you know, you, you you realize okay you didn't do something quite right you made a mistake but the ability to pivot off of that 
can be can be quite quick. So, you know, I think that's that's certainly one. And the second has been to really involve everybody in the journey. Uh, we started off with with just some of our software and data platform and Savannah capabilities in the cloud. But now we've got participation from, I think, I got to imagine now every function across Zebra in this cloud journey, um, HR and marketing, finance, IT, legal, I, you know, it's just across the board. Um, and that creates a, um, you know, a common goal that we all have across functions. And we don't get anything done uh, unless we function as a team. And having everybody sort of understand what we're doing and, and internalize how they can leverage this capability within their own functions has been a, a tremendous accelerator. So that's another one I uh, wish we would have learned even sooner and done earlier, um, but uh, it's been you know tremendously powerful for us. Absolutely. This is great advice, Tom, and I'm also appreciative of your willingness to have these honest and insightful conversations with us. I know I learn a lot, and I'm sure our listeners do too. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much, Therese, and thanks to everybody across Zebra on our cloud journey. You bet. I want to thank our audience for tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to the Your Edge blog so you don't miss valuable conversations such as this one. Just look for the button on the right-hand side of the blog page and drop in your email address. You can also catch up on recent podcasts in the top navigation bar of the Your Edge blog homepage. I'm Therese Van Ryn, signing off until next time.